0: One minute at the time, I was blind, but now I see.
1: Working jobs we hate, so we buy
0: shit we don't need.
1: My dear, if you had one shot,
0: everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. In this episode of The Biohacking Secrets Show,
1: because I always tell people, we don't know exactly how you're going to respond to it. You know, it's like we're giving your cells energy and what they do with that is going to, you know, they're going to do the thing that's top on their priority list. And that may be detoxing and you may feel worse. You may feel tired or whatever. Even for somebody that's not, doesn't have a known cause of that. I would say that's probably 30 to 40% of the time. And then some other people just feel turbocharged instantly when they get it. So um, that, that part goes into the plan that we come up with for them.
0: All of us listening to this podcast are well aware of the importance of sleep. Sleep is when we burn more fat. We make metabolic changes that help to maintain a healthy weight set point and insulin sensitivity. It's when we produce energy that allows us to go all day long and have that high level of focused productivity and flow state to get more done and condense time and achieve our goals faster. And it's also when we clear toxins from our brain, the same toxins that have been shown to cause neurodegenerative disease, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia. Our environment has changed a lot over these past few years. We're spending more time on screens than ever before. And the artificial light from our desktop computers, our laptop computers, and our cell phones has been shown in scientific studies to drive down melatonin production. Now, why is that bad? Well, melatonin is your body's sleep hormone. And when melatonin hormone levels drop, your body is unable to clear those toxins from your brain. And it's also not able to go into those deep states of REM and deep sleep where we're clearing those toxins and we're restoring the body and mind. And one of my favorite biohacks to overcome that, because let's be honest, a lot of us need to be on our devices for our work or for maintaining social relationships, is blue light blocking Glasses, But not just any blue light blocking glasses, because I've tried close to a dozen over the past few years, and many of them just look goofy. Blue Blocks has come out with... Stylish blue light blocking glasses that are laboratory produced with high quality glass lenses, and they've been proven to block blue and green light—the same frequencies that drive down melatonin—in the 400 to 550 nanometer range, so that you get better quality sleep. Your hormones are imbalanced, working the way that they are supposed to, and you wake up in the morning feeling refreshed. It's one of my favorite biohacks for optimizing my sleep, and the, I've noticed that it's the only pair that I've actually stuck with wearing. I ended up getting all three pairs. I start the day with the clear ones. I transition to the yellow ones later in the day and around sunset, I put on the red Sleep Plus Maverick ones and they've made a big shift in optimizing my sleep and my quality of life. And I know they'll do the same for you. If you guys want to check it out, go to www.blueblocks.com forward slash biohacks. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com forward slash B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S and enter discount code biohacked. That's B-I-O-H-A-C-K-E-D to save some dough. more people. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show. We are here at ThriveMD with Dr. Gregory Siemens, Dr. Katie, and we are going to talk about how to overcome chronic fatigue, cutting-edge biohacks for energy production, and some of the cool things that you guys are doing here to help people who may not have had as much luck as they'd hoped for in the traditional medical system. So welcome to the show. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Thanks for
0: having us. Um, let's start by giving a little bit of each of your backstories and how you got into this. Um, start with Dr. Katie.
2: So just to clarify, I know I correct you all the time. I'm yeah. actually a nurse practitioner. but. You guys are sweet. Um, So I was actually a NICU nurse for about seven or eight years and dealing kind of with my own health problems. Um, And it was a combination of looking around at all of the sick family units that I was treating and then also kind of figuring out that. Western medicine didn't really have a lot to offer for the things that I was going through and trying to fix. So the more I started to unravel that and figure out how to fix myself, the more it led me down this route of wanting to explore functional medicine. Um, so that was kind of the journey once I went back to school was just really hammering the functional medicine training. And and then that kind of helped me to stumble into what my actual diagnosis was and, and the rest is history.
0: What were some of the symptoms that you were experiencing?
2: It was... Chronic fatigue, a lot of brain fog, some pain issues. Um, those were kind of the biggest things.
0: And then what when you said you stumbled onto the diagnosis, what was what was the first?
2: Yeah, so it was once I started treating like chronic fatigue patients, fibro patients, and all of them were coming back positive with Lyme and epstein Bar and kind of this general immune dysfunction that I was like, oh, hey, maybe I need to test myself for these things. And sure enough.
0: Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> cool. Dr. Siemens.
1: Yeah, so I kind of, some of the same parts to my story, I guess. I went to Michigan State for medical school and then did anesthesia for eight years. And uh, you kind of realize, you know, by the time it gets to the point where you're putting people to sleep to cut off a body part uh, because their diabetes was so poorly controlled, you start to realize that people don't have the tools to to do better. You know, people took it seriously by then. So I guess that got me looking. I've always been interested in what was back then usually referred to as anti-aging medicine. So it kind of got me going more in that direction and preventative medicine, uh, that sort of thing. That's kind of how we ended up here. And the idea when we started Thrive was to, you know, to optimize health, really, not necessarily people that are sick, but people that are healthy and want to live at the top of their range or whatever. And so then in pursuit of that, we started doing the ozone and then we started getting a lot of really sick people Um so now we've got both ends of the spectrum and it's good like that you know wherever somebody is we just try to help them to be the
0: best that they can so yeah you guys are doing some great things here so like a little bit of backstory about how i came across the work you're doing at thrive md in in schaumburg illinois was um i was looking for someone doing 10 pass ozone for my dad and there's, there was a few people doing major audiomatherapy, but I mean, even just like in the past few years, it's become more and more popular. Like back in 2016, when I was looking for someone to do it, I had to kind of go to like a shady hole in the wall <laughs> office on like Irving Park Road. And like, it was it was Dr. Zofia Stevanovic who's amazing. And she was trained by Frank Schallenberger and stuff. But I was walking in like, oh my gosh, should I even be doing a medical procedure here? <laughs> and um, and now there's more and more places doing major therapy. but you guys were doing 10 pass, which is like basically the equivalent of 10 rounds of cleaning the blood, mm. ozonating the blood, Charging up the mitochondria, and you—you um, you guys have since been helping my dad. And he looked at me two days ago and was like, "Now, granted, his self-awareness is a little bit off, but he's like." I can't imagine being any better. <laughs> My mom's like low ass standards. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we had that conversation the other day when we were talking about to your guys, what you're doing this weekend. Yeah. Um, and I was talking to your dad and he was kind of hesitant about going to do the dental stuff. And, and I was like, well, look at the progress you've made. If you can make that same progress, you know, in the next three months, don't you want to do that? he's like, I just, I don't think it could even get any better than this. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's, that's. Well,
2: now's not the time to stop. We're on a great trajectory.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for the words of encouragement. Um, so, what type of people do you find are coming through the doors at Thrive MD? And, like, where's their level of awareness? Is it like, oh, I think I have Epstein Barr, I think I have Lyme, or is it? Are they still talking symptoms?
2: It's across the board. I mean, yeah. some people come in and they know what their diagnosis is, and sometimes it's unteaching that and helping them understand that it's a deeper immune system issue that we need to fix. Um, I think that's probably one of the biggest things that initially brought us together was that we kind of shared that viewpoint.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a lot of, a lot of people, so like you said, some people know that they have this diagnosis they're carrying around, they're looking for a different way to approach it. Um, and the, we kind of always focus on the same thing, like I mentioned before, just keeping people at the top of their range. So whether they're sick or not sick, it's, we usually take like a foundational approach to it and just try to get all of that, thing, that stuff functioning optimally. And then a lot of times that gives us an idea of what else they might benefit from or where we need to
0: look. Okay, cool. I'd like to get your guys' take on some of the, what differentiates people who get better from people who don't. And we'll kind of, the framework that I'll propose is um, like an in, an inner component, which is like, we'll, we'll call that like the psychological, um, and then the technical component. So these are like the interventions. Um, so let's start with the people that struggle to get better. What what are the patterns that you guys see in their mental outlook, in their cognitive model of the world? I
2: think that's a tough, tough question because I guess you don't want to take away from anyone who's actively trying to get better. But I do see a difference in perspective and... I guess that like hope factor or that determination factor in some people, like sometimes you just get a patient and they're just sitting in front of me Mm -hmm. and I know they're going to get better and it could take two months or two years. And I don't know what that timeframe is going to be, but because of how they come in and their mentality, I know this person's going to get better, you know? Mm -hmm. Um,
1: I don't know. Yeah, it kind of seems like some people come in and it's almost like they're here or they're trying something new because somebody told them to or they heard of it and they're like, go try this. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like they're sitting there like, you know, hit me with your best shot kind of thing. Like, oh. OK, let's let's go through this now or something. And then some people come in and they're like, I'm going to get better, whatever, whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. And it, it mindset seems to be so powerful when it comes to that. You know, obviously that doesn't control everything, but just the way they approach it seems to there's a direct correlation with what we expect the outcome to be, I guess. Yeah.
0: How important is that, like your guys' expectation and belief and like that belief transfer onto the client?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I think that's big because we're very optimistic for everybody, you know? I mean, improvement, I guess, is what we're shooting for and that's always obtainable, you know? Mm-hmm. So what better means to each person might be different, but I think we're both very confident that we can get better, whether that's good enough or whether we obtain that level that they're looking for to be good or healed or fixed or whatever, you know, I think that's... And most people, once they start to feel better, it's like, then they're like, what else is there? What what more do you have? So it's kind of like if you if you get them to start moving in the right direction and then they, they buy into it if they weren't, if they didn't buy into it initially, that seems to be a lot easier from that point, you know? Because most people that end up here, with an illness or that are sick, you know, they've been through a lot of stuff before, a lot of stuff, kind of beat up by traditional medicine, and maybe some other things. So it's kind of, you know, uh, unwrapping some of that, letting them know, you know, we believe you. We don't think that it's in your head and we believe you and we're going to work with you and we'll do whatever we can to help you get there, you know. And once they buy into that and it's a team approach, it's, it seems a lot more effective. Yeah.
2: And sometimes it's helping them through that process of, actually realizing that they're getting better because sometimes patients will come back and they'll say I don't know if this is working I don't think I'm any better and and so I'll say okay well number one let's reassess and figure out if there's something we're missing but number two let's talk through all of the things that you told me were bothering you and we'll get to you know their their mental clarity or their GI or whatever it is Oh, yeah, that's actually better. Oh, I forgot I had that. Oh, I forgot that I had that symptom. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of helps them bring that perspective of like, oh, I am improving. It's just been this slow, steady progress and I can't really conceptualize it.
0: Oh, the perils of fixing memory last. (laughs) 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 No, I'm kidding. But um, yeah, that is especially if like if there's if there are aspects of depression or low mood or maybe there's like. Stress or unhappiness in other parts of their life. It's like it's easy to view things through that lens, mm-hmm. and like, oh, I'm not getting better. Mm-hmm. You know, even though, even though you are. I'm, we we used to, as part of our assessment, like have people rate themselves in all these different things from like mood, energy, cognition, inflammation. It was like twenty things. We we stopped doing it eventually because it was just like more questions for them to fill out. But it was because of that, so that like you could show them the improvement and, mm-hmm. um, and then that too spurs for more improvement. Um, what are some of the things like we had had a conversation, I came in yesterday and did 10 pass ozone with you guys. And we were talking about all the cool stuff that you're doing. And I want to discuss some of that, um, from the peptides to the exosomes. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we do, we were discussing some of the things like I brought up the silver injections, and Rocephin, which is something that I know Dr. Diedrich Klingart had used with with Lyme patients. And um, you brought up that you hadn't seen much success with that. And one of the things that I admire a lot about the work that you guys are doing is you're in the trenches and you have unique data points where you've you've... Seen okay, we've done this with a hundred people, and they haven't really experienced that much benefit. What are some of the things that you've observed? A lot of functional or integrative practitioners using that you don't believe are very effective for Lyme, chronic fatigue, etc. I think each
2: each individual is so different, so. I would say there's a lot of things that even though I might not see success with it, there are probably some providers who do and it's just maybe a different way they're using it. But I think one of the big ones that I would say we see the most are patients who have done, you know, weeks and months of of silver IVs. And I just personally haven't seen a whole lot of success with that.
1: Yeah, I would, I would agree with that one. The silver, I think there's certain situations where people seem to benefit from it, but as far as the long-term three, four, six weeks of it, like that is the number one therapy. The people that, and maybe that's why they're coming here because that hasn't, hasn't worked. And that's not mm-hmm. typically one of the things that we do a lot of. I mean, we do, and I think it's, a, it's good to more of something to maybe add to the plan at some point, um, just kind of from a different angle, but if for a, the majority of the program the, that's not really one of the baseline things I've seen people benefit from.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and do you guys do it where or when you were doing it did you have to put in a pick line?
2: You don't have to, but I think some practitioners choose to
1: yeah it kind of it makes it's, it easier yeah it's, it can be kind of irritating for the vein, so it goes kind of
0: slow. I, I've heard the colloidal yeah. silver can damage the veins and, and that's part of why some people do pick lines
1: yeah it just makes it easier for somebody especially coming every day like that and something that's irritating the veins you don't want to you know hit the same vein too many times in a row or it's just
0: it's going to be done so the pick line makes it easier yeah for sure. We were talking about that at LifeWorks and they brought up the pick line that you can't work out. And I'm like, oh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a bad trait. There's, um, a, there's a lot of things, you know, I mean, people don't want,
1: kids don't want them, obviously. Can, yeah. can't go swimming, I don't think, with them. I mean, there's a lot of downsides to it. So, but there are some upsides, you know, it just makes it easier to come in and get plugged in and yeah. it's not painful. So.
2: Yeah. And some patients who have really or veins and can't tolerate doing daily IVs sometimes the pick line is the best option if if that's what they need to get better but yeah we try to steer away from them
0: okay cool so now we're going to transition to some of the characteristics like psychological and, and like the actual interventions that you've seen work for the people who get better and have the best results um, tell me a little bit about let's start with like the mindset of those patients how do they come in um, yeah, See,
1: I guess if it seems like the, the one biggest thing that I see is that they they want to be here, you know, like they believe in it. They think that this is a good place for them or these therapies are good for them. Like I said, the people that are sort of talked into it or, or are checking the box or whatever. I mean, obviously, you know, you still hope for some hope and that person. You may be able to get to start feeling better and then they buy into it more. But, um, initial mindset, it seems like they found it or they, they watched something or read something or heard something, you know, that makes them think this is going to work for them. Mm-hmm. That just seems like you're starting off in the right, in the right space.
0: Yeah. So that belief.
1: Yeah. you know, like that they came to on their own for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, what seems to be powerful about that, but we had a guy come in here one time cause his mom wanted him to come here. She was, uh, polish and she believed in this stuff and she wanted to come here and i told him he would come by himself i told him on the second or third time if you don't believe in it like find something you believe in and go pursue that because if you're not if you don't buy into it we're just we're already starting off at a disadvantage you know
0: yeah that makes sense
2: (laughs) yeah are you familiar with the biology of belief
0: yeah bruce lipton yeah Yeah.
2: i think that's just a huge piece of it you know Mm -hmm. if you no matter what it is if it's a pharmaceutical if it's you know, an integrative approach. If it's some other kind of like energy healing, whatever it is, I think if you don't have that belief system, you're not likely to get better. I do have some patients who really believe and really work hard and they still struggle. And so I don't want to take away credit from them, but I do think that that belief system is definitely probably one of the biggest pieces.
0: For sure. All right, all right, all right. I hope you guys are enjoying this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show. Now let's take a quick second to check out some cool biohacks from this show's sponsors. This episode of the Biohacking Secret Show is brought to you by Veritas Farms and their full line of CBD products. CBD standing for cannabidiol. Now, we are real excited about this partnership because Veritas means truth in Latin. And we are big believers in bringing you guys the truth, not just through this podcast, but by making sure that any products that we share or that we bring on as sponsors are products that we personally use, believe in and endorse ourselves. And that is the case with Veritas Farms and their full line of CBD products. The reason that they're so great, they are full spectrum hemp products, meaning that they have all of the beneficial phytonutrients that you get in a quality CBD product. 99% of the CBD products on the market are CBD isolate and they're just being resold, meaning they're coming from a few small manufacturers. They've only got one tiny part of all of the important phytonutrients that you need to get the benefits you want from a CBD product and they're just a bunch of different companies reselling them. Veritas Farms is vertically integrated, meaning they own the farm. They ensure that there are no pesticides being added. It's organic. And then they control the entire process from harvesting to extraction until that product ends up at your door. That's what I love it. It's kind of like farm to table, but for CBD and the benefits that I've noticed, my sleep is better. I feel like I get a deeper, more restful night's sleep. I'm less stressed. I never have periods of anxiety. I feel calm and focused throughout the day. And it even decreases in inflammation when I have flights or other things where inflammation is an inevitable part of life. You take a little extra CBD and it can be very helpful for stress, anxiety, sleep, and that inflammation. So if you guys wanna check it out, we've arranged a 15% discount for you guys. To get that, you can go to theveritasfarms.com forward slash biohacks, I'll spell it out, dot com forward slash B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S. To save 15%, check out the Veritas Farms CBD. You guys are gonna absolutely love it. All right. Thank you so much for making the biohacking secret show podcast a part of your day. We appreciate it more than words can express. Now let's get back to the episode. One of the coolest things that I'd heard about Bruce Lipton was like in in 1967, he was studying stem cells like way before Mm -hmm. people even knew what stem cells were. He was like, (laughs) he was one of the first. And um, he took uh, like the same stem cell culture and he split it up into like three different cultures. And made some changes to the environment that the cells were exposed in, and like one batch of stem cells became um, muscle tissue, one became bone, and one became adipose tissue, and that was what sort of spawned this his study of epigenetics and like him realizing like oh my god the stuff that we're teaching that like we are a, 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 like that our destiny is predetermined by our genetic code he's like it's not right, mm-hmm. and, um, and and that was what actually ended up resulting in him like leaving his job. Cause he's like, I can't keep teaching stuff that I know is false. And, uh, yeah, Bruce Lipton's the man. For
2: back then, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Um, what are some of the things that you guys do here? Maybe give some of our listeners an overview of the interventions that you guys offer. And I, I think, you're one of, if not the best in the world at having like a comprehensive offering for people dealing with everything from, uh, if they're a high performing athlete looking to get like a five or 10% improvement in their, um, let's call it delayed onset fatigue, Mm -hmm. you know, their endurance or someone that's at the other end of the spectrum and is like, just looking to get their life back. Um, what are some of the things that you guys find yourself using here most often?
1: Well, there's a lot of times when somebody comes in, uh, uh, it's helpful to run this lab panel that we do, which is like seven or eight pages of labs. And it's really the foundational stuff. So we're looking at inflammation in three or four different ways and blood sugar management three or four different ways. And then hormones and you know just taking sort of a deeper look into all of that stuff and you know most people think a complete blood panel is the two or three labs they get done yearly at their primary care docs office and there's just like, like includes like nothing right
0: it's like there's no hormones you're missing
1: yeah. we always say all they can tell from that is that you're not actively bleeding to death. <laughs> Yeah. so we look a little deeper at that stuff and again you don't want to miss something simple or you know like vitamin, vitamin d deficiency or something and you're looking for all this obscure stuff but um so we kind of start with that and optimize those things and that usually involves things like the ozone that would probably be one of the if not the most common thing we do here is the mah the regular blood ozone with the uv light and glutathione at the end and then there's usually some nutritional support whether that's like uh, the nutritional iv that we do which is kind of like the myers cocktail hopped up with a little bit more of the bees and um, some of the selenium and other trace elements. And then um, we usually get at people doing sort of a program that depends on how they respond to the initial one. A lot of times we'll do the initial lab panel and the ozone with one stick. You know, we just draw the labs off it and then do the ozone they come back in a week. And we sit down and go over that lab panel, come up with a plan to optimize those things, and then uh, really their information about how they responded is really important. Because I always tell people we don't know exactly how you're gonna respond to it. You know, it's like we're giving your cells energy and what they do with that is gonna, you know, they're gonna do the thing that's top on their priority list, and that may be detoxing and you may feel worse, you may feel tired or whatever. Even for somebody that's not, doesn't have a known cause of that. That's I would say that's probably 30 to 40 percent of the time. And then some other people just feel turbocharged instantly when they get it. So um, that, that part goes into the plan that we come up with for them. And it's sort of a, a change as it goes, like a flow chart, more than like a treatment protocol. You know, it's kind of, we change things as that as they move forward. That's unsettling for a lot of people. <laughs> like they kind of want, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And yeah. uh, it's not it's not usually that easy in the beginning.
0: It is, does that initial lab panel that you get does that also look for toxicities like are you looking for heavy metals or infections or deficiencies or is it more hormones and blood sugar regulation and things like that yeah it's not it's not a lot of you know the the inflammation we can get some idea
1: um, about other toxicities but really that's kind of the foundation and then based on their story how they responded to the ozone or whatever treatment they got the first time um, that's how we might decide to look more specifically into metals or mold or other specific
0: problems. Do you see those being some of the big ones, some of the big factors contributing to chronic fatigue, metals, and mold?
2: Yeah, metals, mold, infections, yeah. Yeah. Parasites. viruses, parasites, yeah. 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 Like our what are, our big six that yeah. we always refer back
0: to. What are, what are the big six?
2: I think it's, what do we say, mold, metals...
0: Retroviruses, parasites, uh, tick borne infections, and dental. Yeah. That's cool. Okay, so metals, molds, retroviruses, parasites, um, tick borne infections, and I missed one. Dental. Dental. Uh-huh. my dad. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it's,
1: it's amazing how much we see of that or how often that's tied in in some way. Yeah. And nobody wants to think of that. It's expensive, uncomfortable, you know. And then, depending on your your dentist, you know some some of them are looking at it one way, like suspicious, I guess, of of any work done or even cavitations or just infections. So I think finding the right person to work with there is really big too.
0: Very challenging because now there's oh, there are a lot of people who've labeled themselves biological dentists, mm-hmm. and um, I've heard from client stories, maybe not the most well-versed and in, like in that. And it's, it's, if, if you have mercury in your mouth, it can be a little bit overwhelming because you find out it's going to be like 10 grand to remove it, but then you still have all the mercury in your body. And like, you may even still have root canals and, and like, is, as is the case with my dad. So you got to take those out and then it's like, okay, great. Now, how do we get all that mercury out? And it's, um, It's not always easy. Like when you guys were doing 10 pass with my dad and he was Mm. having his, you know, mad as a hatter moments, like it was too much mercury getting dumped. It was that example of what you said, like his body, when he got ozone, that increased energy production went to detoxification, Mm. but he probably had some blood brain barrier compromise and Mm. mercury in his brain. And My mom's like, dad's gone bonkers for 24 hours Mm -hmm. Um, and we had to make some adjustments.
2: And that's something I think that's interesting too. Like, for example, with the metals and saying how sometimes it can take a while, you know, it's not like we can give you this protocol up front and this is what you're going to do and you're going to get better because sometimes we learn things about patients along the way that maybe Mm -hmm. they didn't even realize were an issue. Mm -hmm. Like I'll ask someone in our, our history together, you know, do you have any metals in your mouth? And they'll say no. Well, then two months into treatment, somehow they'll divulge, well, when I had my metal fillings removed, you know, five years ago, all of a sudden I got so tired afterwards and I haven't been able to bounce back since then. And so sometimes people don't even realize how relevant some of those things are. And then you can start putting those pieces together and say, okay, well, you may have had exposure when it was removed because you didn't see the proper type of dentist. And now we need to go back and test and detox and all of that. So,
0: yeah. yeah. For, for someone listening, who's not familiar with retroviruses, can you guys explain, like, what is a retrovirus and how might that be impacting their health?
2: <laughs> mm, I think I would direct people mostly to Dr. Klinghart and Judy <laughs> Makovitz work for that. Um, basically, my understanding is these deeper-rooted viral infections that can kind of take over and alter your immune function and make you more susceptible to a lot of these other, you know, our big 6 mm-hmm. Um But basically, these these chronic viruses that are kind of um, messing with the immune system modulation and and making the system more susceptible to other things.
0: Okay. And where does Candida fit into this? That seems to be one where it's like more and more cases of Candida are showing up. Mm -hmm. And are you guys seeing that here at ThriveMD and... If so, what it what are you finding efficacious?
1: Yeah, we do seem to, maybe just because we're looking for more of it. I don't know. We do a blood test looking for antibodies against Candida, and then the thinking is that they've had a Candida overgrowth, usually in the GI tract, that grows into the stomach lining or whatever, gets into the bloodstream. The body makes antibodies against it, so uh, you know that can lead to leaky gut all kinds of inflammation. So then they they do food sensitivity testing, and it comes back they're sensitive to all the things they're eating, but. Part of that's because the proteins in the food they're eating are getting into the bloodstream and the body makes sort of a reaction to those proteins. So um, it's very, it can be very tough to get rid of too. And it can be a really depressing thing for a person going through. They just kind of feel like it's never going to get better. You know, we ask them to cut out all their sugars, which they've probably been having more than they should uh, anyways. And they're and, sort of they, craving. Yeah, they crave <laughs> them like crazy. And, that it you know, it affects neurotransmitter levels in the brain and everything. So it can be really legitimate depressing time for a person getting rid of it we use uh some nystatin some diflucan there's herbals that we use sometimes uh colloidal silver uh, seems to help Uh, orally yeah orally or we have nasal sprays and i mean orally for candida but you know uh, we use a nasal spray too with colloidal silver which which seems to help uh, but it can be, yeah, that, that part in itself can be a big hurdle for people. And it usually comes initially because it's one of the first things we're looking for, and that's affecting absorption, and that's, you know, giving them all kinds of inflammation. So it's one of the first things to get over, and it's quite a hurdle to, for one of the first ones.
2: Sometimes it's probably the hardest die-off or, you know, detox symptoms of any of the things that they're going to end up treating. So sometimes I think that's part of what's painful for them to get through the process mm-hmm. too is like, Okay, well, I cut the sugars and I'm taking all of these things, but I feel terrible. And it's kind of that conversation then of, okay, well, the only way out of this is through it. So we need to keep going, you know?
0: Yeah. I was going to ask you guys, you brought up a good point about candida and how that can affect food sensitivities. Mm -hmm. And I think more and more people are experiencing a growing number of food sensitivities and their gut reaction, especially if they're somewhat well-versed is like, what's the best food sensitivity test? But it may actually be a case of they've got candida contributing to leaky gut or they're in this constant state of sympathetic dominance Mm -hmm. because of the radiation and toxins in our environment or just their, you know, maybe relationships that they're in or something like that. And, um, And those things are contributing. Are you guys still ordering food sensitivity tests and finding the results that you get helpful or is it more like... Do you steer them towards an elimination diet and getting rid of the toxins that are in their gut first before even considering something like that?
2: Yeah, I would say I don't think I really ever. Unless a patient comes in and they are passionate about having a food sensitivity test, I don't really ever run them.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't run them very often either. It seems like the elimination diet is more useful for them because they feel the difference, right? Um, Usually the elimination diet itself, I mean, can help them anyways, can fix some of the problems. But I think it's the same thing. If the, if leaky gut's the problem, the test, you know, you do it now and then you change all the things you eat and you do it again in six months to a year and it's going to be changed, you know, to the things you're eating now because you didn't fix that initial problem, the yeah. actual problem. Mm-hmm. So uh, we don't order a lot of those. Usually it's somebody comes in with one and, and they have it to look at for us, but.
2: And I'd it can make fine. things more challenging, I think sometimes because people have a hard time understanding it's not these foods that are the issue. It's, it's your gut. That's the issue. Let's fix that. Mm -hmm. And then these foods aren't going to be an issue for you anymore, but they come in so passionate being like, okay, you know, I'm avoiding every single one of these a hundred percent. Like what else should I avoid? And I'm like, you can avoid everything except water. And unless we fix your gut, you're going to continue to react to things.
0: Yeah. I've seen more and more people with gut issues and even, um, for women, and it's probably candida related, but like vaginal symptoms that can be quite frustrating Mm -hmm. due to that overgrowth. Um, I wasn't really going anywhere with that. (laughs) It wasn't even that I lost my train of thought. There was just, there was a dead end. (laughs) But um, so we talked yesterday and I said, what percentage of people that that you guys work with here have gut issues? And you said uh, like a hundred. So what are you guys seeing work best for improving gut health. And I know it probably depends on what is the issue. Um, you know, is, is it an infection or is it hypochloridia or something else? But if if you guys were to generalize a series of things that you've seen be pretty helpful for people that are dealing with digestive disorders, what would you say those are?
1: Well, yeah, I, don't, I think... I think the candida that we talked about is a real big issue and people getting the mindset. I tell people it's like you have weeds overgrown in your garden. So probiotic is, is helpful, but it's like throwing tomato seeds on top of the weeds. You know, it doesn't, it can't get going. So sometimes you have to take a step back.
0: We're like trying to put out a fire with a squirt gun.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you have to take a step back and actually de weed it, I guess. So you use something like the nystatin and the colloidal silver, and that can take a long time. That can take months sometimes for people to get the candida load down. And it's painful months. So getting them to assess the whole picture, you know, like it's not, the, you're not sensitive to these foods, you're sensitive to anything that you eat because of the leaky gut. Um, so when you, once you take a step back and approach it that way, I think that's when I see people get the best results. And there's also, there's people that come in, they've been on a proton pump inhibitor for 20 years uh-huh. yeah. and they don't think that there's a problem with that. You know, like your stomach is supposed to be acidic, you know, it's got to break down the foods. It has to be acidic to do that. So I just don't understand. I mean, even on the box, I think it says you're not supposed to take them longer than two weeks, but some people, you know, they take it for two weeks, they go off it and then they get this rebound, uh, production of acid in their stomach and they have the worst heartburn of their life. So mm. they vow to never do that again, never try getting off those again, but it, there's long term consequences for sure.
0: Especially if you think that like our stomach acid is sterilizing some of the pathogens that are in our food. Do you see people that have been on proton pump inhibitors for extended periods of time having more incidence of like parasites and things like that?
2: That's an interesting
0: question. Yeah, I don't know that we've made that correlation. I would
1: say it's pretty rare, but we do have some people that come in and they're just, you know, don't understand why that could be a problem. <laughs> yeah. I
0: think that makes
2: sense, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. it would yeah. make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were talking yesterday about um, we're all in agreement that going after, let's say, if, if, if someone has been diagnosed with Lyme, just trying to kill the spirochetes or the Borrelia is not necessarily the answer. Or what gets them better, and what's overarching is uh, this immune dysregulation, like an immune system that's that's not functioning the way that it's supposed to. What do you guys do when you know someone's coming in with a dysfunctional immune system? Because like we're now seeing, that's that's a big part of what drives cancer. Like if your immune system's not working right, and your mitochondria aren't working right, your risk for cancer goes through the roof and especially if you, you throw in some toxic exposure like pesticides and glyphosate and things like that. Mm-hmm. So someone knows their immune system's messed up or you guys point it out, then what?
2: I think all of the immune modulators are kind of our go-to. So ozone works as an immune modulator. I love peptides, probably a little bit biased because they got me significantly better. Um, what else for immune Yeah, modulation? the UVB.
1: Yeah, Um, Mm -hmm. ultraviolet blood irradiation that we that we do that's good for immune modulation too
0: and you guys combine that with the ozone yeah so like you'll do the either the 10 pass and then at the end stack the uvbi like like we did yesterday Mm -hmm. or you'll just do the major therapy and then kind of run it through the uvbi Mm -hmm. okay
2: and then the latest and greatest for immune modulation seems to be exosomes so that's i think the direction that we're headed in next
1: yeah yeah uh, yeah we got started with those at december and at the uh, a4m conference in las vegas yeah met some guys there with uh exosome company and we've been working with them a bit since then and it seems very very promising Mm
0: -hmm. clients are getting good results with those so far yeah
1: yeah it's still i mean still pretty early but we're using for a variety of things but anything from shoulders or joints uh to iv for systemic issues and yeah, I've seen
0: good response. What, for someone listening who's not familiar with exosomes, how would you how would you describe them in like uh, you know like a fifth grade level?
1: So they're basically. Um, there's always been debate when you get stem cells, you know, umbilical cord stem cells or whatever. If it's the cell that actually changes into that cartilage cell or whatever, or if it's the signaling molecules that come with it that are signaling your own stem cells to do some work. And I think these guys um, sort of figured out that it's the signaling molecules. Uh, so they they concentrate those signaling molecules that bud off of stem cells. So you don't actually get any cellular DNA with them. It's all the signaling molecules, and they, they turn on your own stem cells. Um,
0: I think that's... That makes sense. <clears throat> that's been part of my concern with, like, there's a part of me that really wants to do umbilical stem cells. Mm-hmm. But then when you think about, like, how many... Viral, bacterial, parasitic pathogens there are, and that they only screen for nine. Mm-hmm. Like that's a little concerning to me. Um, so so far, I've only done the adipose derived from my back, and uh, had a jackhammer in my back with like a nine inch <laughs> needle. And I watched I watched the video afterwards, and I was like, oh my god, is that what it looked like? <laughs> but it was very helpful. Um, do you guys use like Valcyte or any of these other antivirals? with clients like have you found those to be helpful with retroviruses
2: in some patients? Um, yeah. in some patients I've seen really good success, but I wouldn't say that's the majority of people. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I I guess I was asking because, um, Anthony Williams, the medical medium is very vocal about him believing that like everything is Epstein Barr, Mm -hmm. And, um, that's part of why I was curious if you guys had found that, antivirals were efficacious in some of these cases of chronic fatigue because if A then you would assume B. I
2: think the I see better success with herbal antivirals yeah um, I do like s- lomatium? Some, lomatium yeah I really like like the compounds Key Science has a decent one it's uh, like retro bead. I think they have a tincture and a powder um, even things like cystus tea and the broccoli sprout extract and things like that Um, But I would say the viral is definitely a big component to a lot of what people have going on. But I think, again, it's like if you don't modulate the immune system, then you're trying to attack this thing. And maybe you're making some progress, but then the immune system can't keep up when you take it away. So I think even with the viral patients, it's like, let's address that immune system and get it back to homeostasis so that it's functioning properly. And then if we use some of these antiviral things, we usually need less of them at that point. Um, but then we can really make some good progress there that the body is going to be able to maintain afterwards.
0: I dig it. What would you guys say? So it's, it it can get quite investment intensive, especially for someone (laughs) someone who's like (laughs) far, you know, like let's say where I was in like 2011. Right. Um, I I would easily, I thought I spent a lot of money and like nowadays I wouldn't have spent five to 10 times as much. Um, What would you guys say are some of the highest bang for your buck biohacks and interventions that you use? Good sleep. Good sleep.
2: That's I think number one, first and foremost, if you're not sleeping, you're not going to get better. Um, Yeah. Good sleep is free.
0: What about the people who feel like they can sleep for 10, 12 hours and still wake up exhausted?
2: I think, obviously, then there's a lot of those deeper things going on, but sometimes it's a quality issue, too, of that sleep. Um, But, you know, when you start looking at actual modalities that you can use, I would say, in my opinion, best bang for your buck, even though they're still fairly pricey, but the peptide therapy, I think, is one of the things that's not over-the-top pricey, but still has really good effects in a lot of people. Yeah, is
0: that the thymocin?
2: So, yeah, any of the thymocin, BPC, we even use some hormone peptides like CJC and epimorelin and mm-hmm. sleep peptides and all
0: sorts of... What sleep peptides?
2: There's the DSIP, the deep sleep inducing peptide.
0: Oh, tell me more about that one yeah actually i took that one myself for a while
1: i've had my battles with sleep and again it's the quality of the sleep so some of these people sleep in 10 12 hours it's just not the quality you know they might be better with eight if it was good quality sleep yeah so one of the things that we've done we've uh, a melatonin liposomal melatonin that really oh, is that stuff
2: is just yeah yeah it's um it's, it's the quicksilver yeah yeah
0: Really in a different league, at least from the melatonins that I've tried Mm -hmm. completely. I've got, so Dr. Dan Stickler pointed out that every time I've tried melatonin, even like 0.5 milligrams, I'm like a little groggy the next morning.
2: That was me.
0: That was you? Mm -hmm. And you can do the liposomal? Mm -hmm. Really? Yep. Because Dr. Dan Stickler had me convinced that he's like, oh, it's because it's a genetic thing. Like certain people can't take melatonin. And I was like, all right, that makes sense but I kind of want to <laughs> <laughs> right?
2: that's what I thought until one night I was like, I'm just going to try this. I don't have anything to do tomorrow. If I'm tired, I'm tired. I slept great. I fell asleep right away. I woke up and I did not have that hungover feeling. This, Chris like, Shade's this is Chris shade stuff best with supplement ever. Yeah.
0: With Quicksilver. Yeah. He's the man. I got to get him on the podcast. Um, got, we talked at uh, Paleo FX, and I've got his card, and I haven't sent him an email yet. But um, okay, cool. So we'll link to the the Quicksilver liposomal. And then were you tracking your deep sleep with like an aura ring or anything like that?
1: Uh, I have one, but it, I, it was the battery was dead. I lost the charger at that when I first started it. So it yeah. seems for me like the DSIP when I took the, the peptide. The first night, it seemed to be really helpful. And then the longer I went with it, um, it seemed to not as help not help as much, which is kind of exactly the opposite of what I tell people or what I would expect myself. Yeah. Usually you you build up to these things and they work better for you as you go. But we've had some people that have used it and it's really fantastic, really a game changer for their sleep. But uh, I, I don't know. I kind of go to it when I think I'm going to have one of those nights. So I still use it. But like the Quicksilver, the melatonin's really been a game changer for me with that. All right. I'm going to order some of that like
0: after we're done. Um,
2: you can just leave with it
0: today. Uh, yeah. Oh, you guys got it right. That'd be, that's even better. Cause I'm like, Oh, am I going to get it before I leave for California and Costa Rica? Um, do you get, do you guys wear like the blue light blocking glasses or like unplug your Wi-Fi at night or anything like that? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Cool. Um, I was just trying to see how many different layers, like if we were doing the peptides, but not that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I
2: think that's a big piece of it, right? Like there are probably some days where maybe you're using the peptide because you know, all of those other things have it like you were up late working mm-hmm. and doing and So maybe that's probably part of the reason, right. That maybe the DSIP is going to work better on some nights than others. Like it's yeah. a night where you're blocking your blue lights and you've got your wifi off and you're getting your nervous system calmed down. I would imagine that the peptide is going to have a better effect than, than if you're not doing those things. So,
0: yeah, this, this was kind of interesting too. Jessica Wilson, who's, um, You know, she's had a Lyme diagnosis for a few years and was tracking her sleep with the Aura Ring. She'd done multiple rounds of 10 pass, but had very low deep sleep. So her REM was always all right, but her deep was always quite low. And within a couple weeks of her starting Doxy and a few other antibiotics, her deep sleep tripled. So that was just, I, I'd never heard of that happening. That's and like, it's, it's sort of tied back into some of wh- where like I'm heading theoretically now, which is that like a lot of this is, especially after that study that we were discussing where we're seeing mold biotoxins increase 600 X from like Wi-Fi and stuff. It's like, well, if that's also applying to bacteria and possibly viruses and parasites, like Maybe that's what's impacting deep sleep, you know, the the body and brain is just overloaded with biotoxins and then you throw in a little bit of antibiotics and Mm -hmm. um, deep sleep's able to return and you're kind of able to start unwinding or peeling the layers of the onion, which brings up the question, um, to antibiotic or not (laughs) antibiotic, where are you guys at with that when, when people do test for tick borne infections?
2: I would say most people can get better without them. I do think there's a very small percentage of people who have this active continuance of infection, and they do really well with antibiotics. But I would say I think at least 90% of people with chronic infections, maybe that's an overshoot, but that's my personal opinion, Um, I think we can get there without antibiotics in most cases.
1: Yeah, I think it might have something to do with the way that I got into working with Lyme or tick-borne stuff. And that being we provided the ozone and they were looking for the ozone, so they started to come here. And I really fall back on that theory that it's an immune system problem, you know. So uh, we know that the antibiotics annihilate the immune system. So sometimes it's a like a, a necessary evil, if you will. But And some people it's a game changer for, but it doesn't... Uh, I don't. I don't think you need it all the time. I guess it's not the first thing I go to. That's for sure. Yeah. Try to get by without it. Um, you know, other things that are going to kill, spirochetes and mold and all these other issues. But at the same time, strengthen your immune system or modulate your immune system if it's an autoimmune problem. So uh, it's a necessary tool, though I think for some people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you were discussing, two antibiotics, like a course that you ran for three months a mm-hmm. few times with, with patients and had some success with. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, so what I see in patients, if antibiotics are going to work typically, I see them work fairly quickly. Um, maybe not quickly in the sense like we can have a hard time getting off of them, but I see that the patient starts to feel better fairly quickly after being on them. Um, but yes, kind of, and that really depends on which infections we're targeting and how active those infections seem to be. So, you know, if I have a patient who's coming to me and they just are screaming active infection symptoms, like for example, the, the situation we were kind of discussing was, you know, patient has night sweats, throbbing head pain. That's in a band like fashion, terrible brain fog, shortness of breath. That's Mm -hmm. pretty constant um to me that just says active babesia right Mm -hmm. and so using that combination is, azithromycin and malarone having both the antibiotic and antiparasitic I've seen work pretty well together Um, so that's one that I'll do in some of those patients who seem to have the more active infection things going on
0: what about people who sweat more than anyone else that's me <laughs> I, I just sweat like an offensive amount where like in a hot yoga class people are like moving their mats away from me <laughs> you like really
2: bringing out your towel yeah orders.
0: yeah like for real and, and my dad has you know he's been a big sweater but i'm like this it, I've, I've never met anyone that sweats more than me is there a connection there or is i don't sweat really at night but it's i, if mean, I'm, I would
2: look at it as a bonus your body's yeah.
1: detoxing yeah all right
0: i'll take it as a bonus. Um, and before we go to the, the rapid fire round, let's talk a little bit about mold, because you guys have mentioned that as something that is often missed and maybe, you know, is one of the big six. Um, how do you determine if if someone has been exposed to mold, if that is something that is contributing to their symptomology? Where do you start? Is it a mycotox test? Yeah, is it-
2: the testing that we do, you know, either Great Plains or real time mm-hmm. Um but kind of figuring that out can either, again, be their history or it can be, like, down the line where we've been trying things. And one of the things I learned after working with you was, like, people who don't respond well to ozone, sometimes that can kind of be a, a sign or symptom of mold toxicity. Um, um,
0: what would be not an example of not responding well to ozone? Well, I mean, like, if, they, if they're
1: just not... Um getting the energy or the benefits that we get more of the downside to it seems like a lot of the mold is colonized in the sinuses Mm. so giving the blood ozone um, is going to help with it in the blood and then they suffer through this die-off period but it doesn't really clear it from the sinuses you know we usually have to go after it there with something a nasal spray or we give ozone nasally the only thing you can't do with it obviously is breathe it but so we usually have to go after it in the sinuses for them to get over that home. Did you do the ozone in the
0: ears? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Sense.
2: Put ozone in every orifice except for <laughs> don't inhale
0: it. <laughs> right. It's like, can you milk me? <laughs> <laughs> you can put ozone just about anywhere. Um, and then someone who knows that they've had mold exposure, I've seen so many cases of people who become like the boy in the bubble where they're terrified to go anywhere except their safe place where they feel good. And how do you start giving people tools and interventions so they could begin to reassimilate themselves into society and like, you know, go to someone's house that may have been flooded once in the eighties, you know? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's part of it, right? You got to get back out there and live a life that's worth living. That's part of feeling good. And so, you know, having your home environment as healthy as possible is huge. You, that's where you come home and you, you sleep for hopefully seven to nine hours a night. And so that's a big part of it. And you just wanna get them, a lot of people after they've had mold and gotten somewhat better, they can tell instantly. They go away, stay in a hotel room or something and they can tell right away. So if everything else is tuned up, if the immune system is in order, they deal with that a lot better. Sometimes things like these nasal sprays that'll wipe out some are really helpful for those people but they seem to get to a place where they're much better able to deal with it and to to know when it's an issue. And that seems to be the best luck that I've had, I guess, is getting, and they build some confidence over time with this, you know, that they don't have to hide in their house and there are other places that they can go and they can deal with it. If it is an issue, they can tell if it's going to be an issue.
2: Um, Back to that mindset yeah. piece, right? They not letting yourself fall into the trap of fear that everything is going to be moldy because we're all going to be exposed to mold. It's just the world we live in. Um, but, you know, what are the tools that you can deal better? Let's detox you first, and then let's give you some tools <coughs> that if you are having those exposures, you know what to do to kind of prevent yourself from going down that slippery slope again.
0: Cool. And if you could only use one nasal spray with someone who had a history of, of mold exposure, what would you what would you go with That's tough. Probably uh, maybe
1: the Hopkinson drugs, the yeah. Mucalox, EDTA, and uh, colloidal silver. Uh, There's EDTA, huh? Yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
1: for uh, biofilm busting, I guess. Okay. So people seem to respond well to that. Um, I don't know if there was one though. Like we use a lot of the silver nasal spray, you mm-hmm. know, just on a maintenance type thing. I think there are a lot of benefits to that, but it's not probably not strong enough to somebody that's had. It was really colonized with mold.
0: You guys use like the argentin silver,
1: yeah, or results RNA. Okay, both mm-hmm. pretty good.
2: I like the combo of the silver EDTA, but also using like a nitriconazole or a nystatin nasal spray, so that we're kind of killing some of those colonies too.
0: Ah, uh, yeah.
2: So the, the candida. candida. Can just one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Beautiful. Well, let's take a quick break to get a word from our sponsors, and then we'll come back with the rapid fire round. All right, all right, all right. I hope you guys are enjoying this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show. Now, let's take a quick second to check out some cool biohacks from this show's sponsors. This episode is also brought to you by BiOptimizers and the Biohacking Secrets Upgraded Digestion Package. So if any of you guys are dealing with suboptimal digestion, characterized by gas, bloating, your stomach feeling distended or like it's sticking out after certain meals, if you get sluggish, if you deal with constipation or diarrhea, you're gonna wanna pay attention because it usually comes down to one of three things being off. The first is low stomach acid production, the second is low enzyme production, and the third is gut dysfunction dysbiosis, meaning you have too many of the quote-unquote bad bugs in your gut and not enough of the good ones. And the Optimizer's Biohacking Secrets Upgraded Digestion Package addresses all of these root causes of suboptimal digestion. It's the best value you could possibly get if you are looking to take 30 days and turn your digestion completely around. And you can get that for just 177 bucks. It's usually 270 bucks by going to buyoptimizers.com forward slash biohacks that's b-i-o-p-t-i-m-i-z-e-r-s dot com forward slash b-i-o-h-a-c-k-s to check out the exclusive biohacking secrets upgraded digestion package for just 177 bucks today all right thank you so much for making the biohacking secrets show podcast a part of your day we appreciate it more than words can express now let's get back to the episode and we're back with the rapid fire round. So um, we're going to start with you, Dr. Katie. I know I keep calling you Dr. Katie, but it's just easier for me. Um, what movie, book, or podcast changed your life?
2: These are going to be the hard questions. <laughs> um, movie, book, or podcast? <laughs>
0: I can throw out options: Sex in the City, Notebook. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I'm not a huge movie buff. Um, right now, I'm reading *Ego is the Enemy*, and I love it. Oh, that's been who wrote a that? Perspective changer. It's. Um,
0: is that Ryan Holiday?
2: I think yes.
0: Yeah, he's good.
2: I mean, let's just clarify: I am nine months pregnant, so pregnancy brain is real right now. <laughs> um,
0: Congratulations! You know what,
2: though, not maybe movie book or podcast, but one thing that was life-changing, maybe about four years ago, I got the, are you familiar with the, uh, the five minute journal? Yeah. Yeah. My husband gifted it to me in my stocking for Christmas and I was like, really? <laughs> come on. And so sure enough, I like actually committed myself to doing it. Mm-hmm. Totally changed my life.
0: Oh, So love yeah, it. Yeah. That was,
2: that was a big life changer.
0: You may, you may enjoy, uh, Julia Cameron's morning pages too. Okay. If, if you're looking to take it to the next level at some point. It's gotcha. been hard gotcha. for me but very very beneficial. All right, uh, Dr. Siemens, what biohack do you personally use the most? Uh, probably probably ozone, I guess, but uh to do, do the major
1: autohemotherapy or the ten pass. The major autohemotherapy. I've done the ten pass a few times, but it's just time-wise and it's a lot staff-wise. Yeah, I usually get the the MAH, well, Working in my office or something. And lately it's been the NAD, I guess. I've done that more. Yeah. I actually combine the two and then with a vitamin push at the end, seems to be good. Oh. But I think perhaps the most important one would be sleep. That's something that's really, you know, you always think you can get a few more extra hours out of a day by cutting it out of the sleep, but it doesn't pay off in the end, you know?
0: Yeah. That that was... When I was like writing or not even writing, just dictating the biohackers guide, I was like, I was also doing a whole bunch of podcast interviews and like not really sleeping. And I had periods of feeling like I had early onset dementia Mm -hmm. from it. And I was like, I I go back and listen to some of them or you'll see like all these typos from stuff that you were doing that you don't catch. It's like, (laughs) you're basically like, you're effectively drunk going through the day. Um... Well, all right. I'm going to save that one for you because baby, um, (laughs) Dr. Katie favorite supplement or supplements.
2: Favorite. So, I mean, we talked about the Quicksilver melatonin. That's one of Mm -hmm. my favorites. Um, I'm a big Relax Max junkie as well. You can tell I'm a big sleep person over here. Relax Max is a Zymogen supplement. Mm. Um, that's part of my nightly routine. But I would consider peptides maybe in the supplement category. And I think BPC one fifty seven has been a go to of mine, and that's been pretty significantly life changing.
0: Nice. I've only used BPC one fifty seven for like joint stuff, for healing and 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 everything. You just take it. Do you take it regularly? I use
2: it a lot for. Um, kind of gut and just overall like systemic healing.
0: Do you do it orally for gut?
2: I do injectable actually still and okay. see really good results that way. Cool. Um, I know you're not supposed to pretty much do anything when you're pregnant, but I've been using it during pregnancy <laughs> too and it has helped me feel a lot better.
0: You may, is, do you know, is it a boy or a girl? It's a girl. It's a girl. Very yeah. right, nice. You may give birth to Wonder Woman. <laughs> That's uh, <where> <laughs> <gross>. <laughs> <laughs> Um, right. Dr. Seaman, did you work out today? If yes, what did you do? No, actually. Did, no? Didn't All right. Construction uh, going on at the house. I'm coming at you with another question. All right. What's your theme song? Oh, that
2: was
0: your question. <laughs> 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 uh, man. I'm going to nothing. Nothing? Nothing. It's a tough one. I was writing that. I'm like, I don't know how I would answer this question. Um, Dr. Katie, what makes you cry?
2: right now everything
0: (laughs) your questions
2: I really haven't been that bad in these nine months but I will say what made me cry was um when someone ate my macaroni and cheese in my first trimester of pregnancy that made me cry (laughs) Um, now
0: you're all gonna die in general
2: what makes me cry Uh, like pet stuff
0: Pat. sad dog stories
2: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: my mom loves watching those and sharing them with me
2: oh yeah what is that one movie A Dog's Life yeah literally probably started sobbing 15 minutes into it and lasted through the whole movie it was, just, it was so good I don't think
0: I've seen that. Is it newer
2: maybe I think it was out on Netflix All right. but it's really good I'm gonna
0: watch that and yeah. cry tonight <laughs> perfect um Dr. Seaman's most embarrassing moment of your life of my life <laughs> There's probably a lot of them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do you get to answer any of these? I I could. could. It's
0: very easy from this side of the table.
1: (laughs) Boy, I don't know. Maybe right now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's tough. These are tough on
0: the spot. I
2: had a recent really good embarrassing moment. Yeah? Yeah. It was like one of those you don't realize you've gained weight in pregnancy, (laughs) and so you go to the gym and try to do all the things you used to do. So I go to jump up on the pull-up bar and like fingers just grasp it. I'd fall off, fall flat on my butt. On my back, Gym was packed. It was like 5 p.m. And I was like, all right, that's my cue to go home today.
0: <laughs> your baby's like, earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, last question for each of you. What's one thing that you just can't live without and you're not allowed to say your phone or your laptop or computer? kids it's a good one
2: that's good um yeah my husband and my dog are probably my can't live without
0: cool well guys this has been amazing for our listeners where can they stay up to date with things you're working on get more information about you know how to work with you guys and all that stuff yeah so our our website is thrivemd.com uh
1: we're at in and sunny Schaumburg, Illinois. Yeah. It's pretty Um, beautiful here right now. Yeah. If it stops raining, it'd be great. It's supposed to be warm this weekend. So uh, yeah,
0: DriveMD.com. Cool. Well, thank you so much for spending time. I had a blast and appreciate the work you guys are doing. Thank Thank you. Thank you. What's up, guys? Anthony here. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show. One of my favorite things to do is helping men and women like you feel what it's like with the body you've always wanted and all day energy that starts the moment you wake up and doesn't quit. Over the past decade, we've created a proprietary health assessment that helps me to identify the unique toxicities and deficiencies that may be holding you back from the life that you deserve. And what we've discovered in doing this with now thousands of CEOs, executives, professional athletes, businessmen, Hollywood celebrities and entrepreneurs is that there's always room for improvement and optimization. Whether you're already performing at a high level or you have that feeling inside your heart that you're capable of more, the single fastest way to unlock your potential is to upgrade your mind and your body. And there's no program on earth that does that faster or to a greater magnitude than our one-on-one consulting program at www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. We start with our proprietary health assessment that screens you for vitamin deficiencies like A, D, magnesium, iron, etc., high cholesterol and heart disease, high blood pressure, digestive disorders, hidden infections like Lyme, Epstein-Barr, parasites, SIBO, Candida, and more that can just drain your energy in the background, especially if you don't know about them. Anxiety, depression, and cognitive disorders, autoimmune disease, adrenal fatigue, thyroid issues, mold toxicity, heavy metals, environmental toxins, and other genetic risk factors like MTHFR, APOE status, your glutathione production, and many more. We even recommend the specific tests that I use with my one-on-one clients, if they're relevant for you, in figuring out your biological age and identifying those key areas and opportunities that can take your life to the next level. From there, we create a customized game plan along with a personalized supplement protocol to help you optimize your weight and energy at the cellular level. And for our platinum clients, we even include a personalized workshop with me in Delray Beach, Florida. Most of the year, this program's full with a waiting list, but we just had a couple spots open up, and I wanted to offer them to the listeners of the Biohacking Secrets show first. So if you're interested in seeing what it might look like for us to work together, head over to www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. That's www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching and fill out the short application form. If you're pre-approved, you'll be given the opportunity to book a time to connect with someone on our team and see if it's a fit. Thank you so much for being a part of this community and I look forward to potentially going on this journey together.